Romans chapter, Romans chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and just simply because this is the first time through this chapter, I'm going to read all the way down through verse 16, because I believe they go together, and then we have a break in the chapter, and Paul continues the same theme and subject. <clears throat> but I want us to listen to this as, as the Word of God inspired by the Spirit of God is given to us. He said, Therefore, Thou art inexcusable, old man. And he said, Whosoever thou art that judgeth or judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Now, don't be getting any thoughts in your head exactly what that means so far. Because if you're thinking and the devil's speaking to you that see, Therefore, I told you, you ought not to be judging anybody. That's not what Paul is saying. That's not the context of this admonition that Paul gives us in this passage. That's for another time and another place. We get to looking at this. The scripture begins to unfold to us about this. You'll see the proper context and what Paul is saying and why he said that. He said, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And he's talking about those things that we've been studying so long in chapter 1 of Romans. He said, Thinkest thou this old man that judgest them which do, do such things and doest the same, uh, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory, and honor, and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, the unspoken is, there is indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But, he, but, and he goes back up and picks up with verse 7, I believe, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature those things contained in the law, these having not the law, speaking to the Gentiles, are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, but Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. I want to talk to you in this first part of the book of Romans. The title of it is, Rest Assured, Judgments for Everyone. 
Boy, that'll let you sleep good tonight, won't it? Giving you such a promise that we're all going to judgment. Let me say something really quick. Everybody in here to save, say amen. Well, we're not going to stand in judgment for our sins. They've been taken care of by Jesus Christ. When he died at Calvary and shed his blood, God washed our sins away. And I say glory to God. But wait just a minute. The deeds done in our bodies since that day will be judged. Some people will receive a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, and others will go to heaven smelling like they've been found at a fire sale. Because their works will be tried, they'll be burnt as wood, hay, and stubble. But here's the good part. You ready for the good part? Their soul shall be saved. And I say glory. Hallelujah about that. Now, I want to I confess something to you all clearly. I have been intimidated with this book ever since you said, why don't we study Romans? I said, well, I'll pray about it, and I couldn't get away from it. And I am more intimidated about chapter 2 than it was chapter 1. I'm looking forward to getting into chapter 3 where I think I know something, but we'll just wait. But as I've told you all week after week, I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in the Spirit of God. Now, let me ask you a couple questions to set this chapter up. Now, it, it is a great chapter, and it's in its own way, just like every chapter is in the Word of God. But let me tell you all something. This chapter is all chapters in Romans actually, is not just for the casual reader. We ought to really consider what is being said. And it's often been said by people that the book of Romans cannot be read too often or too closely. And how true that that is. You know what this book will do? And and every book will do that in the Word of God, by the way. As you continue to read it over and over and over again, it will continually unfold its great beauties and blessings to your heart, to your mind, your understanding, and then to your life. So I encourage you, don't just wait till I get here to let, to let you hear me read this, read this, read this book. What do you think the theme is by just what I read uh, to you tonight, the first 16 verses of chapter 2? What do you think maybe the theme for this chapter is? What? Judgment. Exactly. Spot on. And it is. We, we ought to learn as much about judgment uh, as we can. Like, like I said, the, uh, the title is rest assured, judgment's for everyone, and it is for Jew and Gentile alike. It's not just for those who, who are, are uh, self-righteous or, or condemning or, or religious, friend. It's certain for us all, and those who are self-righteous, those who are condemning, those who are religious are found in this chapter. Now, who's going to be as bold as I am? I've been guilty of being self-righteous. Bunch of chickens. I've been guilty of being condemning. I have been guilty of being religious. So this is one of the things now, I lift that up to let you know, Paul begins this chapter by saying, now hold on, grab the reins. Don't y'all try to profess or think that you're something that you're not because you're sure to mess up and, and prove yourself guilty of something you're afraid that you're going to have to, have to um, uh, admit and maybe even repent of. But this is a great chapter. It's a close chapter. It certainly, certainly got close to me. In this chapter, we not only learn about judgment, but there are four 
principles of judgment given in this chapter? Has anybody seen them or did you see them or did they kind of jump off the page to you as we read them? Anybody want to refer to a verse or read the verse or what, 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 what might they be to you all? Well, no, that's not a principle. That's the reason it's not mine because it's not in this. On in the, he, he said that in verse 1, judge not lest you be judged, but Judy, what if I tell you that the believer is to judge all things? See what I'm saying? So it's not that kind of judgment. You follow what I'm saying? Now, it is judging others that has to do with that and looking at them, but it has to do with more. And we'll try to get into some. Anybody else? Good, good, good possibility. Well, it has to do with judgment is according to truth. Where do you find that at, Greta? In the second verse. Listen, all judgment, not some of it, will be according to truth. I'm going to confess up again. How many of you have ever made a judgment about something and you didn't judge in truth? You had partial truth and you made a judgment. You only had some facts, if any facts, and you made up your mind who's guilty and who's not. That's one of the reasons I can't stand a lot of news programs nowadays. I mean, here they are. I mean, the police haven't gathered all the facts in the case and they are condemning people left and right. I don't know, folks. That's not the way to do it. That's not what he's saying here. What else? Anybody else got one? That isn't verse 2. Wendell. Well, that is true. That's a fact, but it's not necessarily a principle of judgment. It's, nobody's going to escape it. God is the standard of judgment, without a doubt. And that's where it comes back to verse 2. According to truth. Well, let's look at them really quickly. They're, they're in verse 2 where he said, but we are sure, as opposed to the judgment that I'm talking to you all about, Paul was saying, that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. And he's talking about, again, the sins that were highlighted in chapter 1 of the book of Romans. Look at verse 6. It says, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Judgment is not only according to truth, but it's according to my deeds and your deeds. Now, God will give us nothing more than we deserve, nothing less than we deserve. And I don't know about y'all, but I find a comfort in that. I hear people say all the time, so I, I want what's got coming to me. I say, man, not me. I want all the grace you can stack up around me, all the mercy God will throw towards me. Hey, man, I'm dreading my day and my moment at the judgment seat of Christ. I remember one time when I learned that the tears would not be wiped away till way late in the book of Revelation. Y'all have that read that book, haven't you? I believe when I get to judgment, I'll be weeping. And if you won't, and you're wondering who, who's crying, you just turn around, you'll see TK. And I believe one of the greatest sad facts about our judgment when we get there is not what what maybe what we are but what we could have been I, I believe God will show us the potential we all could have had we had access to could have reached had we but whatever my what a day that'll be can you imagine seeing him gee many now look in verse 11 he said, for there is no respect of persons with God. Judgment will be without respect. Doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or Gentile. Doesn't matter whether you're handsome or not. 
Wasn't that real kind? I, I mean, you, you know, a lot of things get in the way of judgment down here for us. Y'all know they put a poll out one time about the kind of man that a church would vote for. And the two options on this poll was, if you had a man that was balding or bald, who had achieved, you know, success in a school of theology and not only succeeded there, but could actually, you know, weld a sword and use it and preach, you know, in a, in a good, healthy manner, or a man who had a head full of hair, who would you vote for? Need I tell you which one they voted on the most? I, I just think man, you know, is funny. And we're guilty by innocence in a lot of ways. But if we continue to develop it, know it, that's when we can get in a lot of trouble, I think. Look at verse 16. Here's the fourth one. Now, there may be others in there. These are the only one that I can see clearly. He said it's in the day. Judgment will be according in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Paul said judgment is going to be according to the gospel of Jesus. Now, there's a lot in that. The only thing I'm going to bring out of it right now and maybe through this whole study in chapter 2 is the fact that it'll be according to truth. It'll be according to the life and the death of Jesus Christ and the life that he now lives, and that's what the gospel is all about. So the subject of uh, Paul's dealing here is not, is not, again, us judging, us discerning. Uh, go with me really quick. Let me show you this really quick. Well, I'll, I'll get the verse, chapter 5 of the book of, of Matthew. This, this verse, <laughs> this verse is, is, I believe it's chapter 5, maybe chapter 7. It is chapter 7, I'm sorry. This verse is used commonly nowadays. What, what, um, what phrase or statement do a lot of people say, you hear a lot of people say nowadays, and they, when they said, you ought not do something, don't what? Lest what? Okay. Now, they couldn't tell you where that's at in the Bible. They wouldn't know it's Matthew 7 and 1. But they want to stand on that, brother. And if you don't know the Word of God a little bit, that statement will shut you up. It'll, it'll you know, it'll cause you to be like a cold mackerel. You can't say anything. But do you all know down in this same chapter, Jesus teaches that we are to judge? How many of you all know that? Raise your hand. Two or three, five, six of you, seven, eight. That's good because we are. Because we are. Listen to what he said, and this is a part of, of um, the Sermon on the Mount. It's the words of Jesus himself. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And he goes on to talk about, now listen to this. He goes on to talk about people who are trying to pull a speck out of somebody's eye. Oh, they got a big beam sticking out of their eye, and they can't even get close to the person that's got a little speck in their eye to pull it out. Now, isn't that amazing? They never mention that in connection with judge not, that you be not judged. But here's what Jesus does say. He said, you get rid of the beam in your eye, and then you'll be able to help your brother or your sister get the speck out of their eye. So what do you all think that teaches that teaches us to judge when necessary. One of the things I believe that Paul is trying to instill in people in this passage is to make sure, as sure as we can, that we're in the right attitude and possessing the right character 
when we judge somebody else. Does that make sense? Y'all are awful quiet right now. What are y'all thinking? Give me some questions. Where are you at? Boy, it does. I wonder why you think he put that in there then, Greta. That's the key. I think he wants us to. I think he, I think he wants us to judge, but he wants us to judge in a right manner. Not with condemnation. That's a biggie right here, is it not? Yeah. Keep your finger right there, Matthew. We're coming back. Turn quickly to Galatians chapter 6. Hopefully some of y'all remember this from when we studied through the book of Galatians. And look at what, look at what Paul said here. And, and I believe we're a Galatians 6 church. I really believe that with all of my heart. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians, Ephesians, right after the book of 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 6. Pardon me? We are to do that. And that's what we're going to find out in chapter 7, later down in there of the book of Matthew. But still, that's discerning. That's judging. You know, it's a different verbiage, but it's, it's a synonymous term. So, so we are. Do y'all know y'all ought to judge me every time I get in the pulpit? If you knew that, say amen. You ought to judge my words. You ought to judge my word. You really should. You, you ought to pay attention to what I'm preaching. You ought, you, ought to, you ought to listen to what I say to make sure I'm saying the right things. Listen to what he said. I think the pages of Clayton in verse 1. Brethren, if, which really means censor in light of the fact that a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. There you go, Mike. Lest thou be tempted. We've got to be in the right shape before we can help anybody else. If y'all agree with that, say amen. And it takes some work. And you want me to tell you where judgment begins? Where does it begin? Anybody? The self, the house of the Lord. That's this place, talking about this house. It is an application to this house collectively. Without a doubt, Peter was making reference to both of those. But I've got to get myself right. Now look, I... I don't get up every morning with intention to judge. But let me tell you all something. When I get some of these daggone videos on my phone and watch them try to get educated, I can't help but turn into a judge. I mean, I hear some of the... Uh, strangest stuff, I'm going to be real kind, that you've ever... And it's not biblical. It's just, it's just not biblical. Now look, I'm not right in everything. I know that. I'll be the first to admit that. And I'm going to tell you what I'm glad I know something. Back over Matthew chapter 7. We'll get back over here in Romans really quick. Look at verse 15. Chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. Verse 15. He said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wars. How are you going to figure that out if you don't judge them? If you don't listen to them, if you don't... If you, don't, if you don't compare what they say with the Word of God as, as the Word of God is given to us and the Word of God is known by us, how, how are you to judge them? I mean, we live in a world that, boy, if y'all agree that things have changed since we've been born, say amen. Isn't that the biggest understatement you heard all day? 
I mean, y'all have heard me say this, like the word tolerant. Doug and I were taught to tolerate people that did things that we didn't do, that we didn't like, that we didn't approve of, but give them the room that they needed or wanted to let them do it. And, and, but nowadays, you all know this as well and better than I do, the word tolerance has been changed. This bunch today expects me and you that have convictions, biblical convictions, that are millennium old, they expect us to lay down our convictions and instead of just give people room to do and practice what they choose to, they expect us to embrace them, promote them, and then give up our conviction. Hey, that's just not going to happen for me. Just not going to happen. So look, we've got to, we've got to be able to judge and discern. And discerning what used to be a simple definition of being able to discern or differentiate between what is true and false or black and white is no longer that in our day. We've got to be able to discern what is almost white or black. I mean, it, it, the lines have been crossed. Things, how many of y'all remember when TV is first on? You could tell a black hat from a white hat on a black and white cowboy movie. And you could tell by the way they dressed who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. Am I right or not? Things are no longer as simple as they used to be and it is intentional. Matter of fact, what's one of the key words for the last days? I've lifted it up to you before. Anybody remember? Starts with the letter D. Deception. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. And in order to be not deceived, we must be able and willing to be discerning, being, be judgmental, or to be judging. Let me just leave it at that way. I like that. That's good. Well said. Yeah. How true. He said, "Do you do you shall know them by their fruits." He says, in other words, pay attention. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their works ye shall know them. I never will forget asking a question out at the old building one night, and I said, how, how do you determine what a tree is? And I almost got in a fight. I mean, it was close to going that way because somebody said, by the fruit. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> That's not how a tree is determined. The fruit is the proof of what a tree is. The root determines what a tree is. I'll never really forget that. I kind of got afraid that night. One of the only times I was afraid, I thought, man, this Lord, not intending for it to, could get out of hand in a heartbeat, but it didn't, and I thank God for that. But it is the root of a tree that determines the fruit. The fruit is just the evidence, the evidence of a tree. All right, back over in chapter 2. There are some words in verse 1 that, uh, that I don't want us to look at really really quickly, and we'll start with the most obvious. It's therefore. Now, although Paul was done with chapter 1, he wasn't done with it. Does that make sense? Because therefore, you all know what it does. It reaches back and pretty much summarizes what had just been said. And remember now, these first three chapters of Roman are all about the fact that God is judging mankind. If you remember that, say amen. That is an important principle 
to this study, to understanding this study. God has brought mankind, Jew and Gentile alike, into his courtroom. We're going to see the the verdict in chapter 3, although I'm going to make mention of it here in chapter 2. It's in verse 23. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All mankind has. God has set a mark and none of us have hit that mark. Some of you may have gotten closer to hitting that mark than I have, but nobody's hit it. But God has taken care of that because he's given of his son. He said, Thou art inexcusable, old man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things, doeth the same things. What does the word inexcusable mean? Anybody? No justification, no reason. Well, Jim, I didn't hear you. What was it? Okay. (laughs) Nothing like honesty, but nothing like trying either. So E for effort. What I found, and uh, I think it's a a good definition of it. It comes from a Greek word that I cannot enunciate. It means, like you were pointing to, without apology or defense. Have you ever have you ever been caught in a place where you're inexcusable? Some of y'all are still getting that one, aren't you? I mean, I I I, I used to think, Mom, I don't I don't know, I didn't know how, still don't know how she could be in three rooms away and know what I was doing. I mean, Debbie can make a fur on a cat jump off when she says, ah! She scares the life out of me when she does that. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, just, it's just not... Ha- There's no excuse, really, is what you're saying. It's inexcusable. That's the easiest way to say it, though I shared that, that definition with you. You see what Paul's getting here to here is, is being sort of hypocritical. These are big words. This is kind of a heavy, heavy lesson tonight, but we'll get into some better stuff eventually. There was a man by the name of uh, John Phillips that I've got his commentaries. I like reading after him. He said this in reference to uh, this passage. He said, The sin of hypocrisy is that of being indignant at other people's shortcomings and sins while not being indignant of our own. I'm trying my best to keep my hand down, but I'm guilty. Now, want me to tell you where I'm the guiltiest of? Behind the wheel in a car. I've been praying about that, and I have been doing good. You better say I have, Debbie, or we're going to talk when we get on. I meet the craziest people on the road that I've ever seen in my life. People, people just don't pay attention. They're busy. I understand that. And the funniest thing is, and it's not funny when you get convicted of it, I've done as bad or worse. So I'm getting better. I need prayer. See, I'm just being honest with you all, and you all are scared to death to be that honest with me. I mean, you know, instead of saying, bless you, brother, I hope you get there safe, and me too, you'll say, I pray God puts a herd of camels up your nose and you have double babies by all of them. I mean... You know, we get crazy when we drive. We think we have that power. We got that right. Am I right? 
and you're infringing my space. We need, to, we, need to be, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. And that's what he's saying. I think that's what John Phillips is saying. We don't want to be hypocritical. And that's what Paul was saying. If I'm not careful, folks, and it's, it's, everybody knows that I'm saying that it's okay, we're supposed to even judge, say amen. The problem is how we judge. If I judge somebody, that's all right. I'm supposed to discern. I'm supposed to know white from black, light from darkness, right from wrong, good from evil. But I ought to do it if I'm doing it towards somebody, not with an attitude that, bless God, Hitler ought to have the hottest place in hell. Are you all with me? If it doesn't bring me to a place to where I want to pray for those people, feel a degree of of sympathy for them, even not if empathy would not be willing to do what I could to see them saved or to see them get the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I'm inexcusable. Is this now making sense? I taught hard on the things of chapter 1 of the book of Romans, and I should. It's a weighty chapter. We're in this day. We're seeing reprobate mind manifest everywhere we look, it seems like. To me, look at what's going on in Valley Park down at uh, Hurricane this week, a Metro Valley Pagan Pride Day. I still can't get over. How can you be proud about being a pagan? We live in a mixed society. I understand that. But can I tell you, it breaks my heart that they don't know maybe what it means to be pagan. It really means to just have some kind of belief other than Christianity or, or Islam, not, well, not Islam or, or Judaism. I mean, one of the mainline things. But it's also branched out to include people that are going to be down there, uh, people that, that deal with, with spiritism and with witchcraft and the Wicca and all of those kind of things. So it's, it's enlarged. But I'll tell you what, I'd like to think that if any of them come here to church, I'd preach hard at them, but love them just as hard as I preach at them. I, I had a man one time, and it really upset me. I mean, really upset me. I, in fact, it was a psy, uh, psychiatrist that, that I was visiting a few times. I had a deep bout of depression at one time. And I got in his office one day. I was by myself. And he said, I've been listening to you preach. I said, oh, have you? And he said, I said, yes. He said, you're, you're, you're angry. You're angry at people, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not sure what gave you that idea. But I said, I am angry at sin. And he went on. And before he got done... I got up and walked out and haven't seen him since. I believe he was saved. I believe I'll see him in heaven. And to this day, he hasn't convinced me. If people can't see my anger or hatred against sin, but not the sinner, I'm failing and I want to do better. I mean that with all of my heart. But I wouldn't give you a nickel any day of the week for a preacher. I wouldn't give you the salt that goes in his beans if he couldn't get angry at sin. Now, there's a difference in between, between, between being angry at sin and the sinner. And I think this is what Paul was talking about. We've we got to quit right there. Um, this, this chapter is about a weighty subject. It's about judgment. But uh, 
I believe it'll be good for us. And there are some great things, especially when we look at those principles. I think, I think they'll help us, and I think they'll help us understand the Lord and why He has given us some things that He has. Any questions before we go? Comments? Yeah. Of what? Pagan? It's P-A-G-A-N. It's, it's, it's what I said. I can't give you a Webster defini- definition, but it's somebody that doesn't believe in the mainline truths like Christianity. They have an offshoot of some sort of religion and, and like that it has been added and grown to in this day, the definition of paganism would also include people that deal in, in uh, spiritism, in witchcraft, in the occult, in, in Wicca, that kind of thing. Uh, atheists, you know what I'm saying? Just, just different kinds of different kind of religion besides the mainline religion. Pardon? Satanism, that's one of them. Yep. That's that's easier and better. Yeah. So it takes in a plethora of things, but it is the absence of, like I say, Christianity and this thing upon which truth is found. Okay. Thank you, Tim. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So if you want to join that, 6 o'clock on Saturday, Friday. Okay. I know they've been meeting down there somewhere on, you know, through the week at 5. So if they're doing that, join them if you want to go. If you can't, find you a place to pray. I imagine everybody's been praying about this. I, I, anybody that knows it's Christian up and down the valley, it ought to affect us. It ought to affect. But again, are y'all listening? Say amen. We ought to do it with empathy toward them. Not just a hate or an anger. And after I said what I did, see, I listened to that woman on a 30-minute uh, Facebook thing that she had. I was surprised that she didn't attack the Christians. She really didn't, did she, Debbie? She had some things to say that she disagreed with and she thought we held to be untrue and whatnot. But she didn't, man, she just, she just didn't come out of the gate, you know, slinging stuff. Well, we ought to be able to stand against them, but stand with love. The Bible tells us in, in, in Ephesians, can't get the chapter and verse right now, it seems like it's about chapter 5, that we are to speak the truth. Anybody finish it? In love. That's it. Let's stand and sing.